I am Dr. Charles Frug of Dayton, Ohio. I was invited to speak on behalf of the Holocaust Remembrance. My area of involvement started in the last week of April of 1945 and lasted until approximately the first or second day of May of 1945. At that time, I was attached as a general surgeon with an evacuation hospital in the southern part of Bavaria. And as we entered a city which was called Rosenheim, we smelt a very unusual odor throughout the city. And as we asked the people of the city what the odor was, most of them had the same answer that it was a factory about six or seven kilometers away and they were making fertilizers for the farm area around that. But being a physician, the odor was unmistakable. And I got permission from my commanding officer to take a jeep. And with three other enlisted men, we drove the eight kilometers. And there we found a large area which was completely surrounded by barbed wire. And the closer we got, the more intense the odor became. The gates were open, and as we drove in, we saw hundreds of emaciated people running around with what appeared to be striped pajamas. We later found out that these were not pajamas, but these were prison clothes. We found out that this was the famous and infamous Dachau. Not only were there Jewish prisoners, but there was also many political prisoners, many of the ministers of the Lutheran faith that had been against Hitler had been sent there. Some Catholic priests who had spoken against the Nazis had been sent there. <clears throat> but the greater majority were Jews. Of the people that we saw, not one weighed over 70 pounds. They were gaunt, emaciated, crying, and in their tears, they kept asking, who are you? And since I spoke some Yiddish, which was the language of most of the prisoners there, I explained to them that I was a member of the hospital unit 
and that we had come to save them and try to help them. And many of them got on their hands and knees and kissed my hand and kissed my legs and they cried constantly because the only outlook that they had of their entire life was being burned in the furnaces of the crematoria which was in the back of this camp. As my other soldiers and myself walked through this camp, we saw many, many dead bodies lying like cordwood, piled one on top of the other along a fence. There must have been five, six, seven hundred lying there. And the closer we got to the crematoria, the greater the smell. And that was the unmistakable smell of burnt flesh. And this is one odor that one never forgets, particularly when you're working in an emergency room of the hospital and they bring the burned patients in and you never forget that smell. But if you can imagine two or three hundred bodies that had just been burned in the last week or so, what a terrifying odor that had to be for those people who came in there. As we approached the crematorium, there were hooks on a rail and there were eight or ten bodies still on the hooks. And this is what they did. When a patient would die, they would take that individual and hang him on the hook, and someone would come by and shear off all the hair and beat him across the mouth with a club, and knock out their teeth so that they could find gold in those teeth. We then walked to the crematoria, and there were 15 ovens, of which some were still burning. The flames were still there. The bones were still being charred, and the odor was just horrible. It was impossible to tolerate. Then we realized that none of this information had ever been gotten out. The only reason that I even made the attempt to go there was the fact that I smelt this unusual odor and I knew it was burning flesh. And I had to see what it was. After seeing all of this, I returned to the city of Rosenheim with my enlisted men. And this happened to have been on a Thursday. The very, very next day, our commanding officer sent some of our men there with food. And I went back with the other Jewish members of our hospital unit. There were 18 Jewish doctors. We went back there and we said a prayer for the dead, the Kaddish, for those who had died. We could not move or bury the bodies because at Friday night, the Sabbath starts at about, at that particular time, it started about six o'clock. And we could not bury the bodies that night. 
or on the Shabbat, which was Saturday. And on Sunday morning, we marched about 8,000 people from the city of Rosenheim, about eight kilometers. We gave them trenching tools. We made them dig a large single grave about 200 foot by 50 foot by 10 foot. And we made the people carry these bodies and lay them in this trench. And finally, we covered them with earth. And one of my enlisted men had made a Jewish star, a six-pointed star, put over the graves. There was no way of knowing who was Jewish, who was Catholic, or who was Lutheran. But we thought that having a Jewish star there would be acceptable to all. When we got back to the town, our commanding officer insisted that the mayor be imprisoned and one of our military government, military police arrested him and in examining him, took his shirt off and under his left armpit was the SS mark which was tattooed with his number. He had been an SS trooper and he had escaped from his unit and went back to his home and became the mayor. But when we had asked him before what he had known concerning this, he kept on saying, Ich kein Nazi gewesen. I was never a Nazi. Which was untrue because we found that he had the SS mark on his arms. I was able to converse with one young 16 or 17 year old boy in Yiddish, and he explained that the officers and the enlisted men had escaped two days before because they knew that the Americans were coming. The guards couldn't get out of there because they had no weapons. And these emaciated, starved people killed most of these guards just by tearing them apart by their hands and their teeth. We saw a number of these guards whose faces were mutilated by the inmates of this prison. The only information we ever got uh, was from the magazine called Yank. And nothing was printed in that that did not have the administration's approval. So we knew nothing that was going on. We knew nothing about Auschwitz. We knew nothing about Metalink. We knew nothing about uh, uh, Treblinka. You knew you didn't even know that Jews had been rounded up and no, no, we had we had no knowledge of this because uh, even though our government knew it, uh, Justice Frankfurter and Cardoza went to President Roosevelt and gave them all the information that they had, which had been gotten from secondary sources. Uh, Mr. Morgenthau, who was our 
Secretary of, of War at that particular time had all this information and gave it to the President. But none of this information was given to the media, just like the Americans did not know until after we captured all of these places. Then my letters went home, pictures went home, people still didn't want to believe me. Did you get to speak to any of the inmates at Dachau other than the young man that you first spoke about and ask them questions about what occurred there? I spoke to a few of the others, but most of them were so gaunt and so starved that they couldn't stop crying. They were so grateful to be, have the knowledge that they were going to be saved and had the the life, uh, that they couldn't hardly talk. Uh, we asked them where the records were located, and they didn't know. Uh, we found the commandant's office, and we searched that, and he must have taken them or burnt them before he left. Uh, we brought food, as I said, the very next day, uh, and they gorged themselves on the food. Everyone who gorged themselves got very, 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 very ill uh, because their body could not uh, handle the food uh, that we gave them. When the Red Cross came, uh, they had some nutritionists with them, <clears throat> and they were able to handle the dietary portion uh, for these people. But uh, one aside, uh, the last day we were there, which was the fifth day, uh, we went back to the caserne where they were located, and we saw one man who had a scissors, and he was cutting out a pair of pants out of a blanket. And I asked him in Yiddish what had been his trade and he answered me, Gewesen a Schneider. I was a tailor. So even at that time of his life, he was thinking about making a new life for himself and tried to make himself a pair of trousers <laughs> because he did not want to wear the garb of the prison. Did, any of the, did you have any idea how long a person was there that it took until they met that ultimate death? The few that were able to give us any answers at all, none of them had been there longer than five or six months. And the whole story, which came out later on, was that these people, this particular group of people, uh, they didn't work, because these were mostly political prisoners beside the Jewish prisoners. And uh, they just walked. It was all farmland around it, but they didn't get anything to eat. The usual meal was a thin potato soup at breakfast with a crust of bread and the very same thing at supper. They had no lunch. They had no meat. They hadn't seen meat in the camp for months. And in the inmates' buildings, 
There were row on row on row of just wooden bunks, four high, and nothing but straw. Had no sheets, no pillowcases, no blankets. And when one died, he was dragged out by either the prisoners themselves or the capos, the prisoners that the Germans had appointed as their guards. And they would put him on a wheelbarrow, and take him over to this area that I mentioned before, and just lay them out like cordwood. And the only thing they would do is bring in another armful of hay and put it back where the person had been, and then put another prisoner in there. They had pot-bellied stoves, was the only heating that they had for the entire room, and each room held 200 people. You, you just can't forget. Do you think as many starved, probably many starved or died of disease, just... Uh, most, most of them died of, of starvation Station. and disease, yes. Uh, um, the starvation was primarily the main cause of death, and I would imagine that typhus would have been a second cause of death, with a terrible diarrhea and vomiting that most of them had. This is how they got as emaciated as they did. And, uh, and the ovens were used primarily for the Jewish prisoners, do you think? Well, the, the ovens were used for everyone, but the ratio was at least 30 or 40 to 1 of Jewish inmates against the Christian inmates. The, uh, were there men, women, and children, do you There believe? were no, uh, no women there that we saw. There were men, older men, and young boys, 15, 16, and 17. They were able to uh, accept the starvation better than the older people who died much easier. But if you've ever seen any of the pictures at the Yad Vashem, which is the building of remembrance in Jerusalem, uh, you, you, you'll just never forget this is exactly... Uh, never saw a person there that weighed over 70 pounds. What, what was the feelings of the other young soldiers as you were young soldiers then? They were all terribly, terribly uh, upset uh, because they had never seen anything like this before. They had never known of things going on like this. They had never known that there was a genocide going on. Um, we, we tried to explain some of it to them that this was part of Hitler's plan of having Judenrein uh, cleansed of Jews for all of Germany and all of occupied Europe that they had captured. But we did not know that the Battle of Warsaw, where 15 or 1,800 Jewish people, men, women, and children, fought against the Germans, 
these images have stayed with you all these years quite vividly. They dim a little bit, but every time that something comes up on television, like this last nine-hour documentary, Shoah brings back all of it as vividly as if I were there today. I can smell that same odor that I smelt over 42 years ago. You must not say that you now walk the final way Because the darkened heavens hide the blue of day The time we've longed for will at last draw near And our steps as drums will sound that we are here from land all green with palms to lands all white with snow. We now arrive with all our pain and all our woe. Where our blood sprayed out and came to touch the land, there our courage and our faith will rise and stand. 